0: Blog Talk Radio.
1: They almost got me that time, you guys out there in off the shelf radio land. I, I like to wait for that blog talk radio. I was almost getting ready to get started. As soon as I started, come in and uh, in on what I was saying. So I always like to pause and wait. But good Saturday morning. This is October. The 13th, you all, we are almost in the middle of October already. And I want to kick off this show with a quote. i like to start each show with a quote. And today's quote is, set your goals high and don't stop until you get there. And that's from Bo Jackson. Set your goals high and don't stop until you get there. And I want to let you know, we know our loyal listeners who've been with us for 13 years, Going into our 14th year, and for those who might have just tuned in, whether it's through iTunes or Rainbow Soul or right here at Blog Talk Radio, however you uh, uh, came into Off the Shelf, I just want to let you know that you're at the right place. You're listening to the winning book radio show, Off the Shelf. And again, want to welcome you. And before we introduce you, our awesome guest this morning, I want to ask you how good of a mystery sleuth are you? And this is something if you're a regular listener, I ask this question at the opening of each show. And then how how much do you value relationships? Sometimes we don't really value relationships. I was somewhere with some someone recently, and I was asking about the different activities and events in the area, and they there were a lot of things to do, but they told me what attracts them more are people, relationships, so they don't need a lot of um, uh, what type of arts do you have and do they have a lot of uh, 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 craft shows or theater or concerts or sporting events. They're the kind of person, if they're just sitting on the porch or at worshiping with somebody, it's the people, whether they're just sitting at somebody's house that's, more important to them rather than the
0: activities.
1: So so if you value people, and a lot of times we think we do, but we may not always do that. Some of us see value in people when we think they can help us achieve something we're trying to achieve. But if you really value human relationships, and you you see how we influence each other, we come into this world one way, and we don't leave that same way because of the impact others have had on us, and the impact we have on ourselves and on others. And it's powerful. So if you value that, I really encourage you to get a copy of Love Paul for me. And you you there's a murder mystery tucked into the story. But there's a complicated father-son relationship. The father has untreated alcoholism, and the son is incredibly gifted and talented. And he ha- he meets his soulmate at college. But uh, we do impact and influence each other, and uh, can we escape our childhood? Can Raymond get away from his childhood so it doesn't tear away at he and Brenda's relationship? If that excites you, if that's something that even maybe you're going through personally or you know someone who is, I encourage you to get a copy of Love Poe from me. You can do it now. All you have to do is click over to Amazon or e-book it and print. You can go to Walmart. If you don't see it on the shelves, just ask the clerk for it because it's carried by the largest book distributors in the world, and you can start enjoying a very good story and now let us go and meet our very special off-the-shelf guest. And our guest this morning is Andrea Mills, and she's a woman on the move. She's actually at a conference right now. And books that Andrea has written include Victorious Living for Women, There's Too Much Hell in, the Church, in Church, Victorious Living for Moms, Keeping the Faith, and Women of Purpose, Passion, and Power, Andrea is also the founder of the annual Prophetic Women's Crusade and the founder and director of Love in Spite Of. She is a minister and contributor to the anthology, and we've had several writers who've contributed to this anthology on the show, Arise from the Ashes. Andrea makes her home in Northern California. She is a mother of two children and three grandchildren. And you can check Andrea. Andrea Mills out online at Love In Spite of Women dot org. And it's spelled exactly the way it sounds. Love in spite of women by women's Bible fellowship dot org. No spaces. Love in spite of women's with a s Bible fellowship dot org. Welcome
0: to off the shelf, Andrea. Thank you, thank you, thank you for having me. It's so we're, good to be on your show. We're glad to have you
1: have you here with us. We know you're juggling a lot of things this morning, and it's, it's truly a pleasure to have you on Off the Shelf today. These are the first few questions that I ask. I'm going to ask you. I ask every single guest who comes on the show. Again, it's something I learned from listeners. They didn't. They wanted me to give a little backstory, learn a little bit about the guest before I launch right into the questions. So these are just general, typical questions I ask every guest on Off the Shelf. So to begin, could you tell us where you grew up and what life was like for you growing up?
0: Okay. um, I'm a native of San Francisco, California. I grew up a portion of San Francisco, moved over to Oakland, California in the seventh grade, my mother's only child. Growing up, life was good as far as um, being raised by a single parent. My mother, um, she provided for me well, uh, so life was good. And then I moved over to Oakland, California, went off to San Francisco State to college. At that time, I thought I wanted to be an actress and a model, and then as time went on, I ended up in um, Bible college. So the Lord steered my, my path into another direction. So um, I'm a minister of the gospel, I love the Lord, um, I love to write, um, and I have, what, three children, well, two children, one passed away um, two years ago, and I have three grandchildren, and I'm a single woman, and what else? I think I covered it. You are really doing it. And <laughs> you're a conference.
1: What conference? Uh, tell our listeners what conference are you at today? This is
0: a, a conference. It's the first annual conference. Um, it's called Landmark Ministries. This is a sister that has a, a church here in Oakland, California. And this is her first um, annual women's conference. And it was an interesting morning trying to get in here. There's this big water flow over here that they need um, East Bay Mud to come and fix. But it was interesting on us trying to trail our way in because we no one wanted to go first because we, we didn't know what was ahead of us, because it's this big puddle of water. So one car finally came after we asked "Was it safe. One car finally went through, and then we proceeded after her. So they're taking care of it now.
1: <laughs> <laughs> what, did, what did you dream of becoming when you were a, a, a child? You said you kind of, ministry kind of happened, maybe not by your design, but when you were a little girl, what did you dream
0: of becoming? An actress and a model. <laughs> ah. That was my desire. Yeah, I love, to this day, I still love plays. I still uh, love to go to the theater. I still like to watch models. Uh, I love musicals. Uh, hopefully next year I'll be turning one of my books into a musical stage uh, production. Okay so I still have a, you know, a heart for it, but I'm not per se uh, pursuing it, in other words. And
1: and how were you when you knew you wanted to be a writer? And some people write books, but they don't consider themselves a writer. So I guess the first question would be, do you consider yourself to be a writer? You've written several books. And if so, how were you when you realized that was a path you were going to get on?
0: Well, if I go back to when I was a child, I don't know if this had something to do with it, but I do remember I used to take books that my mom would buy me, And I would take those books and I would um, copy those books and turn it into a book. And it was just one of my projects sometimes for me to just do as a kid to have something to do. So I don't know if that right then was letting me know, okay, you have a heart for books. I have a heart to be a writer. But what really brought it out, I did have this um, this desire to um, tell the world about spirits or, or my heart on different matters. And I remember at one church I was um, on a prayer team, and they did it. They did it a little bit differently. The way we would do, we would get a, um, we would get our assignments on what we should pray for, whether it was for the marriage, the church, the leaders, the singles, and um, we would have a team, and we would pray about what to to give our team leader, but we wouldn't give it to her verbally. She would have us write it out and send it to her in an email, and from doing that. Day after day, week after week, day after day, week after week, it really uh, prompted me to say, "Okay, I'm ready to write a book." But I still didn't release that book until my the first anthology. And doing that first anthology and and coming together, flying to a different state, and the women coming together. And when you first when you see your um, your work in print for the first time, oh, it's, it's amazing! It is it amazing <laughs> feeling. <laughs> And so how
1: how how long ago was that first anthology uh did that come out? You said that's when you really your first publication and you really saw yourself as a writer. When was that? 2009. Oh, you you came out the year when the country was going through that great recession. I mean, I was a part of that. That that year, anytime anybody says that year, that's what I think of um You came out at a really pivotal year for the country and the world, actually. That's when you came out with your first book. Now, how did you get involved with Arise from the Ashes? How did you get involved with that anthology?
0: Okay, well, that's that's with uh, Paulette Harper, so I'll go back. I met Paulette. She came at the church that I was involved with at that time. Um, We were having a single a singles conference or a singles gathering. I believe it was a singles gathering. And at that time, Paulette was over the singles ministry at her church. So she came and we met, but what intrigued me about her, I mean, I love Paulette. I love her personality or confidence, but what connected me to her was she was promoting, um, what was it? Um, this broken vessel. And so she had her flyer and she was giving out her flyers at the, um, at the gathering, and then that, that spoke to me because she was the author and she was releasing promoting the release of her book. And from there, I met her then, but then when they um, were promoting for people to be a part of the anthology, uh, Victoria's Living for Women, and I met Cheryl Pullins on Facebook, and it just so happened me and Paulette was the same, was two people from California that was a part of that an- anthology. And so when she put on Facebook that she was um, looking for people to be a part of a ride for ashes, I was like, okay, I think I'm, I'm going to pray about this. I have another story to tell. And, you, and generally on my anthologies, it's a testimony. All my anthologies are related to things I had been through in that season. And so that was a good time to release what I was going through in that season. And I knew Paulette. You know she's a woman of excellence. So that that part was I didn't have to pray on the person that was given it. I just had to pray as it was my time to release this particular uh, story.
1: Okay, okay. And I've I've known Paulette, and she is she. I've known her. Um, oh my goodness, got to be over ten years. And she's she got into the book industry and what she's done with it and sharing Christ's message as a minister herself. She just keeps on going. There are a few people who who I I saw in the beginning who stepped out. Uh, the ups and the downs of it, like anything, but she's she stuck with it. Uh, can you tell us about your story, Andrea, in "Arise from the Ashes" in the anthology? And Andrea's story, off the shelf, listeners,
0: is titled
1: "Back Down Memory Lane." Can you tell us about your your story in the anthology?
0: I sure can. Now, when initially, when I had started writing on this particular um, anthology, I was going to try to tell about uh, dealing with my mother, uh, having congested heart failure and COPD. I was going to try to say a little bit about that, and then I was going to try to put in there dealing with uh, losing a child that that passes suddenly. But once I started writing about my mom, it was just so much to write that I needed to wait and tell my story about losing my child because it was just so much more. So I haven't released that story, but with this particular story, back down memory lane, I went back down memory lane on um, my um, experience of being a child, an only child with my mom, and how she, you know, she was there for me. My mother, I mean, my mother was just such a good mother. She was just there for me through thick and thin. No matter what, she, she was there. My good times, my bad times. She was a sharp cookie, sharp woman. We went everywhere together. And um, as time went on, and my mother, she wasn't a drinker, but she loved to smoke. <laughs> she was smoking since she was in high school. And so um, what I was doing was reflecting on the times, uh, the different behaviors, the different um, symptoms um, with my mom, and um, I was when my mother was first diagnosed with congestive heart failure and COPD, we didn't realize what was going on because um, we had never experienced that. And so my mother's ankles were swollen, and my son and I, we just stopped. It was because she was walking too much because she would walk up to the corner store. And so finally we took her to the um, emergency, and we were thinking that this emergency was going to be a turnaround. You know, they were going to check her out and say, okay, she can just go home and rest. And so they end up um, admitting her. And they said that um, that she had fluid in her lungs, and so we still didn't think it was a big thing, but it was. They ended up keeping my mother for a while, and she her whole life changed, our whole life changed. She had to she had, was on a, a restricted um, sodium intake. She had to stop eating certain things. I mean, it was just oh, we were and my mother. She's a, she she's a strong-willed woman. She was, she was stubborn. She was setting her ways. So she wouldn't listen to the doctor, so we would go back and forth to emergency, back and forth, back and forth, until finally, um, finally. But she did stop smoking, though. That did scare her enough to stop smoking. She stopped smoking. I mean, it was miraculous. But the eating patterns, it took a while. And then finally, she started listening to the doctor's orders. And we got that under control. So she has a bad lung. So she has, um, she does have that disease. One of her lungs, well, both of her lungs are bad, but one is worse out worse out than the other. And thankfully, she stopped, she start listening, so she wouldn't have to use the oxygen tank. But then, as time went on, I noticed my mother's um, behavior with her thinking. She would forget this, forget that, and I was like, you know what, mom, you need to go to a um, to um, one of those activity places for seniors because she was retired. And I said you just gotta you know keep moving, keep keep active. Like I see someone running right now, like jogging. That's a good thing to do. Keep moving It's good for the for the mind. And so um, fast forward, I would just take people on um, different um, incidents that would take place with my mom. You know she she wandered twice and it just bring you up even further. I mean it's very painful. For me, when I go and see my mom, when my daughter passed away, um, my daughter was my right arm, so when she passed away, I ended up having to take her from Kaiser. They told me that, you know, you're trying to do everything for your mom, but your mom really needs to get 24-hour service. So I ended up putting her in a residential home for seniors. Uh, That was hard for me. But um, I don't have to worry. Like right now, I'm I'm at this conference. I know she's being taken care of. She doesn't know me anymore. Um, She knows my name, but um, she doesn't know that I'm her daughter. She's holding on to her name, but it's inspired me. Now, my next project is to open up a residential hall for seniors. So I always say all things work together for the good. And so now dealing with my mom and taking care of her is giving me a different desire and a love for seniors because there's so many seniors out there that need help because my mother is considered middle class with her retirement. So she doesn't have any help. So, it's it's really costly. It's like almost uh, three thousand a month to take care of my mom. Um, Woo! My, retirement, yeah, it's crazy, sister. It's crazy. So, yeah, that's inspired me to help others. And the, and where she is, I love it. It's because it's like a home away from home. You can get licensed for six or licensed for twelve. So she's in a um, it's a um, a married couple, and they're Christians. And they're licensed for six, and he's a good cook. <laughs> he's a very good cook. So
1: Okay. Oh, my goodness. Bless you, bless you, bless you, bless you for what you're doing thank to you, sister. help take care of you. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. Um, when is it time? so back down memory lane, it, it deals with the, the changes that <laughs> were going on. In your life, I wanted to ask you from a reader's perspective, you know, when you're reading somebody's own personal life story, and they found out years ago, when you're going through something difficult, having a support group is is, is critical. It's so important because it's so easy to think this is only happening to me or nobody understands what this feels like. Because we go out in the public and we have to wear a mask and not really show what we're really, really feeling because we might feel we'll be rejected if people really know what we're feeling. And everybody does this, which is <laughs> what the mystery is. Men not like a few people. Everybody does it. Everybody does it. But when is it time when you say back down memory lane? Sometimes you go back down memory lane and you remember the horrors and you keep retelling old traumas and you keep them with you. You keep them with you because you keep them present. Or you go back down memory lane and you keep saying it was so much better back when, like it's all downhill now. Either way, that story you keep telling is keeping a, a situation with you. When is it best, Andrea, from your experience,
0: when is it best to simply stop revisiting the past? Well, I don't think it. it depends on how it affects you. But I, I, I truly believe that your past determines, I mean, it helps you, it helps my, what I've been through, everything I've been through has made me be the woman that I am today. So it depends. I mean, if I'm dwelling and dwelling on my past with my uh, past relationships as far as with my uh, marriages and how he treated me or how I treated them, that's not, good, that's not, that's not a good, good um, reminisce. in other words. So it depends on, on what part of the past. But we're going back down memory lane as far as dealing with my mother, having um, the, the diseases that she has. It has blessed a number of women or men that I have experienced it or experiencing it now. So it depends. Because, yes, we should yeah, continue you know, to move forward. Go ahead. Yeah, go ahead.
1: We should, we should continue, continue to move, to move forward.
0: because yes because the past is past all things are created new so we are new creatures and uh we should let go of the past but it depends on it depends on that that street <laughs> it depends on the street that we're talking about let's put it like that okay
1: okay and you make you make you know i was going to ask you how can revisiting the past help us and you you answered that question um but some some things that get us stuck can be traditionally generationally you, you, um, Joel Osteen uh, told a joke about how uh, this family, they always made the turkey in a certain kind of pan, and then it got to a point where the turkey was too, too small or something like that, and they were like, well, we got to do something with the turkey because it has to go in the pan, and they thought there was some real specific reason, important reason, and it was just that their great-great-grandmother, or somebody just simply, used the pen there was no there was nothing behind it we we keep traditions going there's no reason for it no rhyme for it it's just it's always been done this way i've heard that at churches uh, if a new pastor comes in and changes anything including switching anything in the order of service people will go absolutely nuts it's just the, the the this is the always the way we done it. So back to back down memory lane. As young girls and women, we can get stuck too in what this is. What my mom my mom was in domestic violence, so we we think it's normal. If he loves you, he, this is he'll get so upset that he will hit you. He shouldn't hit you, but it, that means he loves you a lot. I've heard people say that the things we get used to, back down memory lane, the stuff from the past that is just common in our family, common in our community, and we just simply accept it. Now, you have a ministry that helps to empower young girls and women and helping them to let go of things from the past that just don't serve them anymore. And what specific ways, Andrea, does your ministry help to empower young girls and women? Do you offer mentoring? Do you give them, like, uh, clothes to take out on, wear on uni- interviews? In what ways does your ministry serve uh, to empower young girls and women?
0: Okay, so Love and Spite Women's Women's um, Bible Fellowship, that is um, a women's ministry that the Lord had given me when I was, me and my mother was running my child care, and um, he had I'd had a dream, and He gave me the logo, which was butterflies, pink. I mean, and so as I start praying on the matter, the title Love in Spite of Women's Bible Fellowship, it's called Love in Spite of because I think you touched on that. Sometimes when women get together, they won't release at all. They only release a portion that they feel that they'll remain accepted, or they feel that if they release at all, that someone is going to go and talk about them or treat them a little different or look at them differently. Love in spite of is derived around Jesus. Jesus loves us in spite of. In spite of our past, in spite of what we've been through, in spite of what we're going through, in spite of what we did, he still in loves us. He still loves us in spite of because he is love. It's his nature. It doesn't matter what we've done, what we did, what we've been through. He loves us unconditionally. Agape love. So that's why it's called love in spite of. Now, as far as with the woman, women need to be able to come together, be able to release. They need to be able to be um, accountable to someone, someone to pour into them, someone to mentor to them. Um, there's Bible studies that are derived around this um, ministry. Um, given back to the community, yes, there's um, times where we'll have people that will donate clothes and people can come and just shop for free, whether it's if they need a job or if they just need something to put on their back. Um, and then, let's see, in 2000, I think it was 2000, I don't really remember the year, but he had gave me um, Prophetic Women's Crusade. No, he gave me Women's Crusade. He gave me that, but he didn't give me a release. And as time went on, when I went to a certain, uh, a different church, they had what we call Prophetic, uh, prophetic uh, institute, where you're able to learn more about the prophetic vein, that, that particular uh, gift you may have. And so he finally gave me a release in 2014. So, yeah, it was 2008 when he gave it to me because it was eight years later when he released it. And it was called Prophetic Woman's Crusade. Now, Prophetic Woman's Crusade is, is under the umbrella. It's an annual event. And um, the first year he gave it to me, it was birthday. I mean, I knew it was all God because he gave God as a God of details. So he said three keynote speakers and 18 speakers. Every year, the Lord gives me a theme, uh, three keynotes, and every theme that He gives me is always eight letters. So the first year was the mm-hmm. birthing. Yeah, isn't that interesting? The first year was the birthing. So I had uh, three keynotes. And this is not just a, a, a conference, it's a crusade, but it's not just targeted towards Afro Americans. It's targeted towards everyone. It's not targeted just towards a one particular church, one particular denomination. No, the first release, the first annual one was um, the three keynote speakers were three speakers of different churches that I had been a part of that mean, it, mean, that mean something uh, to me, and there was an impact in my life. So I had three keynote speakers from different churches that I was a part of, the 18 speakers, different nationalities, but they all had, um, they were important in my life. And as time went on, same thing, um, it may not be the three keynotes from three different churches, but it's still different people from different backgrounds, different churches, and we all come together, and the Lord is, is just there. It's just um, signs, wonders. I mean, it's just it's just awesome to sit back and watch the Lord's vision open up.
1: Wow. Wow. You know, it is important to pray and Seek God's guidance before we do anything, because God knows everything, and we don't. Now, is Victorious Living for Women? You do so much to empower women, and I appreciate that. Is Victorious Living for Women, is that your first book? And Can you give us, like, an overview of Victorious Living for Women?
0: Uh, yes. Victorious Living for Women was the first anthology. It was 40 different women. We all flew to Baltimore, Maryland for the book release. And on that one, that was a start of, and, and you're saying about as far as um, not revisiting the past, that right there was my first time writing about my, my testimony from when the Lord released me. I mean, when he delivered me, when he saved me, when he restored me. And on that particular one, I released the root of the matter of my behavior before the Lord um, delivered me. And my my title for that one was I've Got the Victory, and on that one I take you on a journey of um, a, a, a woman, a child such as myself who had everything in the world, who she thought, because that's how my mother perceived it or gave it to me. But then as time went on, I started feeling sad on the inside. I start I start um, missing my father, and it never I never thought it bothered me, but as time went on, I end up. Uh, dealing with substance abuse. I ended up smoking weed, uh, drinking wine, and then it escalated. And then I got married, married my high school sweetheart. And then from that, it went from um, substance turned into um, violence. We would um, always fight each other, break dishes. And this had nothing to do with my, my upbringing because my, my mother didn't um, have any, um, any um, domestic violence and, and around me This was a result of the anger The hurt and the substance So it escalated from the weed Smoking, drinking wine To marijuana, what, marijuana Crack cocaine, cocaine I mean I was, I was deep in Deep in, deep in um, With substance abuse And then as time went on The Lord took me to the root of the matter And the root of the matter was my father And I went to go stay with my father For roughly six months and I got to asking all these questions. Why wasn't he there for me? Why, why this? Why that? Why um, he wasn't there for my children, my graduations? I and mean, we, we just talked about it. And the Lord took me to the root of my matter. i mean, just back forward. It was at Oakland at Lake Merritt. And I remember looking over my life, and he spoke clearly, enough is enough. And it was my father, and that's when wow. I moved to a different state. Yes. And sister, from that, my father said he didn't know any better. It freed me Those yeah. words right there I didn't know any better And he starts sharing things about You know, with his father And the things that he went through And from then It's been over, what, 19 years Clean and sober Because of the Lord Jesus Oh my Christ.
1: goodness, praise the Lord
0: uh, And yeah. you know,
1: Andrea you, you, I was saying earlier How we We always I, I don't know, a human being Who hasn't been plagued Or to the point of Feeling pain because they're worried about what somebody else thinks of them, and everybody does it. So we go out in public with what this is. What I think I can do and say, and people will not reject me. But that is important to be your true self, and that and that you shared that uh, your testimony. A lot of people wouldn't say that <laughs> they would. Like I, I don't want to go there. I don't want you to know that about me. That I mean, your, your the courage and the authenticity to do that. You show people that you can be, and we've had other guests on. One lady said she got into meth, and I forget how she did, but she said she trusted God and came out. But that she could share that openly with people to show somebody you can come out and stay out, you can do it uh, uh, with God's power. It is possible. So I wanted to ask you: We talked okay. about wearing masks and. We're talking about wearing masks and caring what other people think of you and letting go of the past, Mm -hmm. and you want to live a victorious and empowered life. So all that said, the church is, I heard this uh, pastor told me, church is kind of like a hospital. You you might think it's a place where perfect people are or near perfect people, but it's not. It's a place where people come for healing and help and and to learn to, to serve and minister to others who are either where they are or where they used to be. So, all that said, why did you write? There's too much hell in in church because a lot of people view churches that's the that's the holy place. That's the place where everybody acts right and all the loving people are, and all the people who follow Christ are. Why did you write that?
0: And and it certainly, I certainly didn't write that to take any of that away. And actually, let me read to you what's on the back of the book. It's the primary purpose of writing this book is definitely not to persecute the churches. It will bring repentance, righteousness, holiness, and most of all, the fear of the Lord back into the churches. For so long, many churches have started putting off the kingdom of God first and seeking his righteousness. But heartbreaking to say, some have ended up in a spirit of compromise. In other words, there's too much hell in the church. So that's not the vein that I was talking about. When I, when I speak of there's too much hell in the church, it has nothing to do about what you brought up, because that's where it should be. That's how it should be. What you just said on mm-hmm. some churches. So,
1: so, so, can you tell us uh, a little bit more about what's what's covered, what you focus on when you say compromise? Is it that the church is trying to maybe compromise to attract? more uh more members into each church so okay we really shouldn't do this but we will because it'll attract people what can you give us a little bit more insight on what you did give us the, the synopsis on the back but what you cover in the book
0: so uh yes as far as okay let's go with our compromise no church is perfect so I'm not speaking of going to a church that is perfect that's not what I'm speaking of but as far as that our compromise, yes are you are you are you doing this because you want to say so are you doing this because you want to um uh, be a better a better um a better place for people to come and be saved, set free change deliver or are you doing this so you can fill up your your pews are you doing this no matter what 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 it is you don't have any standards you just come on just just do it are you doing it just to fill up the fuse? Are you doing this? Is, what's your motive? Is your motive for the kingdom of God, or is your motive to try to have the biggest church than somebody else's have? What is your motive mm. for doing what you're doing for the kingdom?
1: And if it's if it's to have a big church, that's probably more uh, I would say me focused <laughs> anyway. And who and and, it, and it's hard to say who would do that, but I'm sure there probably is that bit because it's really hard to, um, you have to be truly centered in Christ not to adhere to the ego, because the ego is what we identify with. We think that is what we are, and it, it does want to be lifted up and noticed. It does, which which leads me to the next question. What is the difference? This is something else you touch on, and I think it's important. What is the difference between a jealous heart you, you want to have the biggest church you're competing with other churches. What is the difference between a jealous heart and simply feeling jealous? Because I, I would imagine that every human has felt jealous, even if just when we were a child, but I think even as adults. But is there a difference, and if so, what is it between a jealous heart and simply feeling jealous?
0: Oh, yes, there's definitely a, 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 a difference because, when, you, when you're going on this journey, and let's say that um, you're at work. Well, this is about the church, but let's say you're at work, and um, someone gets promoted, and you think you should have got promoted, right? And for a moment, you might get, get jealous and, and say, wow, I'm qualified for that. I should have got that. I, I, I applied for that. But do you stay there? And do you say, okay. I'm going to congratulate her, and I'm going I'm to I'm encourage her and help her as much as I can for this particular position, okay? Now, a jealous heart, now, that's just because that jealous comes on you, and then you, let, you, you, you do whatever you can, you pray and let it get out of you. But a jealous heart is someone, that's their lifestyle. Let's say, you, let's say we're going to go back to the church. Let's say we're positioned. Let's say that you've been praying to be over the women's ministry or the men's ministry, because it can go both ways. It's not just a woman's thing. And then somebody else comes into the church, and they get that position. How, how do you react? Now, if you just for a moment and then you pray, or even maybe for a week and you pray and you ask God to take these out of me, Father God, creating me a clean heart and renew a right spirit within me, and, and, then you, and you're trying to get this out of you, that's different than someone that's saying, okay, Mm-mm. Now you got that eye, you got that 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 um, evil eye on that person, and you're trying to do whatever you can to discredit that person, discredit their character. You're gonna do whatever you can to try to knock that person out of position, and that's your lifestyle. It's not just right then That's wherever you are. That's what that's what you do when it, when it's pertaining to you and you get promoted. That's a jealous heart. That's evil.
1: Oh yeah, you don't want that. I would be, definitely. You wouldn't be happy. You wouldn't be happy, so it would it would that's that's when you really do need to pray, uh, even when you like you said when you see jealousy come up. Lord, please take this from me and and, and in its place, don't leave an empty space, but put love or, or 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 something good there. But oh yeah, you don't want to develop a jealous heart; that would not be good. Now you did, you just you also discussed like prestige in the church, and you may have already touched on it in your book. There's too much hell in, in church Can you give us an example When you say prestige in church That would be like what being the first lady Or what do you mean by prestige no. Somebody
0: people Nope. This is what I mean It says prestige versus the anointing That's the name of the, that particular chapter Prestige versus the anointing So let's say Let's say you in the church And you need a praise and worship leader Right and let's say you have somebody that's off the charts, they're they, they off the charts, R&B. They, I mean, they've they got number one hit song on the charts. They come into your church. You have this sister. Every time she sings, she's been serving God. Every time she sings, the anointing fills the room. She's full of her lifestyle. You know she's anointed, right? But the person that, that's going to draw the most money, that has more money, has prestige in the world, comes in and they get that position because of their lifestyle out the church. Not because of the anointing, not because of God called them to that position, it's because of their prestige. Mm. That's why it's called prestige versus the anointing. Sadly, that's today. That's still today, wow. and it's, it's, getting, it's getting, oh, it's just, it's so sad. Now this was this book was released what back in 2010. That's this is what eight years later and it hasn't gotten any better. Hmm. Now that's a
1: I, you know what I've gone to mainly small churches, so I, I might that that I might not see the jealous heart. I've seen that at least once, but that is sad. Uh, and, and maybe the so the churches. Maybe that's why a lot of people, some don't go anymore. They think it's more of a show or just a tradition, something that you traditionally do, because they don't see the connection, the relationship with Christ and, and, and our Creator and the Holy Spirit. They don't see it in the people who are in the church. So it's, it's more like this is what you do on Sunday. This is what you do on Wednesday, more than the relationship that, 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 that they might not see. Uh, I wanted
0: to it's ask It's called you. an entertainment
1: spirit. It's called
0: an entertainment spirit. Coming in to be entertained, not to be worshipped into his presence, but to be entertained. So it's become a mixture now. You're not going just to a concert. You go to a concert to be entertained, but going to coming to church to be entertained, it should, it, 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 that's where the, there's another, there's where the compromise come into there, come into play also. And so yes, you're right. A lot of people have gotten fed up with that, but they, I mean, Sally, you don't want to leave the church, you, you really don't, because mm-hmm. we need. I mean, I've been there before when I was like, oh, enough is enough, I'm out of here. But then I get convicted because we need each other. We need to, mm-hmm. we need to fellowship amongst the other. Just stay strong. So if God is not calling you to leave there, then you stay there and you pray. But if it's gotten just too, just it's just it's too much. I mean, pray God leave you because all churches, I'm not, this is not for every. I'm not saying all churches are like that.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So mm-hmm. no, there, there are still some good churches that, that are, um, seeking, you know, seeking the Lord and want this to be his, his holy Mhm. Yes.
1: Yes. Can you tell us about, uh, and you may have already touched on this, uh, The Women's Crusade, especially I wanted to ask you for any off-the-shelf listeners who might be wanting to do something similar, to launch something similar where they live, what was it like organizing the Women's Crusade for the very first year that you had it?
0: Well, sister, it it does show you that it's totally different than doing it in the church because I've I've done events inside of a church, and the support, the finances, uh, the people is there. All you basically everything you need is there when you're when you're stepping out and you're, you're stepping out on faith and you're doing this for the Lord. The first year I was like, I had this budget girl. <laughs> I was like, okay, Lord, I'm gonna step it out on faith because I'm the, I'm the one. If God tells me to do it, I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna step out and okay. I'm gonna do it. But as far as all. I just didn't oh, all the, the the stuff that you have to pay for everything. Everybody want to get paid, and I'm not saying something wrong with that, but I'm just saying you just see a lot that goes on behind the scene. When you see all these big conferences, not that's a part of, that's not not a part of church, but someone that's doing it their ministry, you see what goes on behind the scenes. So the first year it was it was a blessing. I mean, it was this is it was. I remember this, I was at home, every, I got everything in place, people were in place, and I ran home to change, right? And I remember a sister <laughs> calling me, and she was like, Sister Andrea, you should see this parking lot. And she took a picture of the parking lot, sister, and it was full. And I just got down on my wow. knees, and I, and I just started mm-hmm. crying, because that just showed me that God was pleased, and this was his vision, right? And so, um, yes, that's what it was like was, okay, Lord, next year, what do I need to do to start... Um. Uh, raising funds, you know, or, or fundraisers or, because, you know, people will donate. I This is what I've learned when you were in the business world, people will donate after you get stability and they see that you're here to stay. So this is like okay. the, what next year will be the fifth year for the, uh, okay. So the first, year. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: Okay, I thought this was going to go on with the first. You said there's a lot more that goes on behind the scenes. Same thing, we had somebody on uh, Off the Shelf who put together Indianapolis's, like, their book, their first African American book uh, fair. And she said the work that went into it was just uh, so I commend you for that. And then though another lady who's been on Valerie uh, Coleman who's been on off the shelf she put on a, a writers conference in Dayton Ohio and then again the work but she got the she got corporate sponsors but like you said maybe they want to wait and see uh, are you really going to continue this or is this just a one and done type thing Who are some of the women speakers at this year's crusade that you held in August?
0: Uh, some of the women that uh, was, um, um, let's see, let me go to my flyer here. I had one sister from my church, Dr. Nina, uh, Dr. Mathis from another church. She's Bessie Smith's um, cordial sister. I had, um, I was one of the keynote speakers. The first year, I, I wasn't doing any of the speaking. The first, second, and third. Actually, I think the fourth year, you see, I think the, this year, I think I was the first time being a keynote speaker because um, the Lord led me to, to do it. So, and then the eight yeah, that, that's what my keynote speaker was this year. Now, what the Lord has done, though, he has had me start preparing. I start preparing right after this crusade. So I even got the date. Oh, okay. I need a Yeah, so it's August 2nd through the 3rd. So he had me start preparing right after this crusade. I'm still looking for another uh, venue because um, that's one of my challenges, trying to find a venue that's big enough because we're growing. And this last spot, it it was just too tight. And so... I still haven't found the venue yet, but I do have the date, and so and I have some. I have a team put together that's helping with the uh, fundraising and getting um, people from different different organizations to donate. For well, um, sorry about that. There's a motorcycle coming. You by.
1: are an organizer. I can tell you already give yourself a year, which is good. You you built a team. So any of our off the shelf listeners who are interested in doing something like that, either with this church. Or someplace else, you know. Give yourself time. Build a team. Don't don't try to do everything yourself. Build a team and give yourself time. And then, like you said, you're looking for your venue. You want to make sure it can hold, uh, you know, a, a, enough people. And then you got to take care of any refreshments, any licensing or whatever you have to take care of, or fees, and getting your speakers. But this is Security. going into your fifth year. Going into your fifth year, so. Uh, Congratulations, and I can only imagine how many people were blessed, not only the women who come, but then their families are blessed as they go back home
0: and take what they learned at the crusade. Now, we, we're coming and, down and you know to about else, 12 sister? minutes left. Sure. Okay, and I also wanted to say that last year was so interesting. A sister said, you know, uh, Sister Andrea, can I bring um, my granddaughter? And I was like, you know, Sister, the Lord has been working with me with the children thing, right? So this year we added um, child care. And it was such a blessing. So moving forward, it would be women and children. So, oh, okay. Yes, so women and children. Now they don't have we to say, sponsored. oh, I can't come. No, they can, yeah, they they are, can bring okay. their children. And we also sponsored, now they don't um, we're starting to sponsor different um, organizations. So this year was the first year we sponsored um, um, House of um, Elizabeth. It's a house that. Helps women and children It's like a transitional home And that's one of my desires also So we're also starting to sponsor Other organizations too Okay oh, Thank
1: you, thank you for your work uh, that, that you do again I'm, I've done uh, Just from a writer cover, uh, There was a women's uh, center. In Pennsylvania, and the work that they do—these are for women who are involved in domestic violence and their their kids, giving them a safe place—and it's just that's just phenomenal, almost just life-saving work. So, so thank you. But you also wrote uh, "Women of Purpose, Power, and Passion," and I definitely wanted to ask you this: Why is it important to know your purpose? Your specific, not not in general. But your specific for us, purpose Why is
0: that important? That's a very good question Because the Lord put us here for purpose We're designed for one specific person one, we, We're designed To do what the Lord has called us to do Knowing your purpose When you get up in the morning You're going to be focused on your purpose Not your job But focused on your purpose Knowing your purpose When you're, when you're in a church I remember back in the day when I was, um, had first started serving in the ministry, I was in all types of ministries trying to, you know, just serving, 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 and trying to find my purpose. Once I found my purpose, when you're in a, in a church, you'll be able to say, okay, I know Lord, the Lord didn't call me to do that. I know my purpose. I know where I need to serve here. Okay, I have a heart for prison ministry. So back in 2006, the Lord called me to the prison ministry. So I know that I know that when when I'm connected to the church, I know that my purpose is for the prison ministry. I know that my purpose is for prayer. I know my purpose in the church is being an altar worker. That is my purpose. But out the church, I know that my heart is for um, women. My heart is to do this prophetic women's crusade. My heart is, well, now the Lord has given me um, a heart for seniors to open up this residential home. For seniors, a transitional home for women. So the Lord will will tell you what your purpose is. I mean, I've never had a heart for seniors. But that burning desire came because of experience, because of taking care of my mom. There was purpose in that. All things work together for the good, for them that are called, them that love God and are called according, according to his purpose, to his purpose. Mm-hmm. Yes, and, and
1: and thank you for sharing that. So, again, Andrea Mills, the author of Women of Purpose, Power and Passion. And I'm, uh, and I'm a, sure after you realize what your purpose was, like you said, you can streamline and narrow down and not try to take on too much, and that gives you confidence and power. And generally I would think your purpose, your God-given purpose, is something you have passion, uh, passion to do. Uh, not something that you, you you're fighting and you don't want to do. Now, as we close, come to a close for today's off the shelf show, show. We have about seven eight minutes left. I wanted to ask you just in talk, talking about writing and your books and and marketing. Uh, can you tell us what type of writing process you follow when you're writing? Uh, you you work with nonfiction. Um, do you do like outlines? How do you? How do you make sure the story, the book is structured so it would be easy for the reader to comprehend what you're sharing? An editor. Because <laughs> I'd be
0: everywhere. <laughs> and, I, that's, and I'm glad you asked that because um, this last experience with um, Carletta writes from the Axis, she had a team of editors. The experience was totally different from all my other um, books that I've been a part of. The way this one was, and and sometimes you gotta like, well, why should I do that? This is this sounds smooth to me. This is what I'm saying to myself. But the team that she had, they were able to come in, and orchestrate it in a way that it, it will flow. Because when I did the arise from the ashes, I was sitting, I was praying, and I was writing as things would come to me pertaining to my story about my mom. The back down memory lane is is all about. Uh, the process of coming up to where my mom is right now. So I was doing it like, say, for instance, you're watching a program on TV, and do you know how sometimes you watch it, and then there, there's the uh, sequel, and then it might take you back to, a, to like maybe two years later, and then it might come back. Well, that's how I was okay, doing yeah. my, mm-hmm. um, yeah, that's how I was doing my rise for the ashes. And I had a sister at my job read it. She was able, she flowed with it with me. She liked it, but the majority I had to go with what Paulette was saying. But then after they finished it, it was smoother. So I think okay. it's not. I think it should be a, a team effort. You, I mean, you could be a writer, but you also need to have somebody come there to help you orchestrate it, and then it can be a bestseller.
1: Yeah, you know what? And, and 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 a professional editor. This isn't your friends reading it and they want to make you feel good, or your relatives. Right. This is a somebody who is professional. Uh, you have line editing. They will take care of like this grammar. Grammar and those types of things, and then you have On your, the one. The
0: <laughs>
1: yeah, the structural editor who tells you this, this right here doesn't work. Or they, they weren't wearing these kind of clothes if it's fiction. They weren't wearing these clothes in the 1980s. That's what that type of editor will help you to to do, and they will make you. We don't like criticism, none of us, and we don't like to be corrected for <laughs> we're, we're wrong. But it, that's when it, we're blessed when somebody does that. In love, can you please share three to four steps that you've taken uh, that you found to be effective at getting the word out about your your books and your stories, Andrea?
0: I po- I love to promote. I don't know if the Lord's gonna take me where somewhere f- f- later, but I love to promote, and it's not just about me. I love to promote everybody else. So I I will probably send a ton of emails. I'll probably promote. I love I love Facebook. I, I truly do. I've had so many great encounters with Facebook. Yes, there might be some people I, have, I might have had to not delete the blocks from posting on my page. I've learned that because you don't want to delete people that you're trying to be a minister, be a, uh, to, minister to. But just promoting, you know, um, that's what I do, with, with, with whatever the book is. I'll promote and ask other people to promote. And, and, and it, and it so works. you do have um, You do book release like, and... And a book release. We're having a book so release. you do a book release.
1: You do email. You do social media. Sounds like Facebook is your. You get a lot of traction off of Facebook. You will just send messages and
0: constant contact.
1: Okay. You also use constant contact. Get like the newsletters and your your emails there. Uh, and and I, I would there's so many social media platforms for our off the shelf listeners who are looking for tips to promote market their books or you might have another product. I would say you you probably could work three no more than four social media networks really effectively. Uh, some are really good with images like Pinterest and uh, of course Instagram. If you have a lot of images, those are good for that. Uh, Facebook, Twitter. Uh, so, and then LinkedIn, depending on what you are marketing yeah, I'll do LinkedIn, that too. and some people get some people get a lot of traction with Google Plus, but it depends on what you're doing. Some people with LinkedIn as, as well. So as we come to our last few minutes of the show, and thank you for everything that you shared here uh, this morning, Andrea, um, I wanted to ask you: Are you working on any new books right now? And if so, can you give us a glimpse into what you're working on?
0: Well, I do know that the next um, book, I believe it's not going to be an anthology. I believe it's going to be, I always like to say, solely me. I don't know if that's going to be a title or what, but I always say solely me. In other words, because I've been a part of a lot of anthologies. This next one will definitely have something to do with um, losing my daughter. Um, my daughter was 29. Uh, she wasn't sick. She, um, we woke up one day, and uh, we all had moved back home to, to take care of my mom. And she was my right arm. We were up one night, um, eating tuna, laughing. It was a good time for us. I'm thankful for that. And we were watching Law & Order um, on Hulu, catching up. And I woke up that morning, and my baby was just, she was gone. My grandkids was there. Grandson found her. Then my granddaughter went in there. We thought she was playing. And I knew when I seen my daughter, I knew instantly that something was wrong. I didn't think she was gone. And, um, yeah, know, that's... Um, that's the next book, and I don't know the title yet, the full content, but I know it will have to do with my precious daughter um, and the 29 years that the Lord let me have her.
1: you, you And, you know, my son passed uh, December 3rd of, of last year, so I definitely know what that experience is like. And, oh, and my son was my. 27, and his passing was sudden. Uh, those first few months are are... Unbelievably difficult, but um, it, you. My thing is, that I just. I'm grateful that I had him, and it, it, the 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 pain of it, I think, will linger till I'm gone. But I'm grateful that I that I had him. I would rather have had him in my life and known him, even if I had to go through this hard, painful experience, than to never have known him. I I, I would Absolutely. say that, but. Yeah, that I would say. Uh, can you tell off-the-shelf listeners where they can get copies of your books?
0: Uh, yes, um, you can get them off. You gave the website w dot love in of women's plural dot org, and you can Google them and get them on you know Barnes and Noble. Um, uh, what is it? Amazon. So you can get them online also we are so
1: grateful and appreciative we've had andrea mills here with us she's had it to a woman's common this is a lady who stays on the go and some of her books that we discussed here on off the shelf today victorious living for women there's too much hell in church victorious living for moms we didn't get to that one keeping the faith and women of purpose passion and power and andrea's also the founder of the annual Prophetic Women's Crusade and the founder and director of Love in Spite of. encourage you. She has a story in the anthology, Arise from the Ashes, and we encourage you to visit her online at loveinspiteofwomensbiblefellowship.org. And that's women's with an S. Her name is Andrea A-N-D-R-E-A Mills. And I'm sure if you put her up in a search engine, Google, uh, she will come, come up. Uh, so please visit her online, org. We want to thank Andrea Mills for her time and what she shared and blessed us with here on Off the Shelf this morning. And thank each of That's you, good. our listeners. And as I always tell you, whether it's your first time at Off the Shelf, and I hope you'll mark your calendars to tune in to Off the Shelf Radio every Saturday at 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. Uh, to our loyal listeners, thank you, thank you, thank you for those who have been with us for 13 years now. As I always tell you, you are awesome. You are amazing. You are incredible. Go out and create a fabulous day for yourself. Andre. I'll shoot you an email. Have a wonderful conference. Bye for now.